When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I do, I do really like his the way he just goes from smiling, shit-eating grin to like absolute bastard. In, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, toss, he's toss got coin. absolutely. He's he's literally got a split personality. I mm. think the first killing that he does, he's got the blood on one side of his face, and he does a sly look to the left or the right, and his other side of his face it's is completely like two faces, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's completely clean and dry and chiselled, and you're like, yeah, I get, I get this. As round as a plate, it's episode ninety-eight. Hello, film fans. Thank you for listening today. In the studio, our guests are Karina. Hi. Sarah. And Kobe. Hello. And we're reviewing the 2000 film American Psycho. As always, guys, we have all the show notes online at flixwatcher.tv for all the episodes. So please come and visit us there. Of course, join us on Twitter at flixwatcherpod. And please come to iTunes, rate us and subscribe. All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording and please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. In our studio today, our guests are Sarah and Karina. If you would like to say hello to our lovely listeners and tell them about the podcast that you do. Hi, yeah, my name's Karina and I am the co-host for the Pitch House podcast, uh, along with my co-host Sam Clements and my other resident podcaster sitting beside me right here, who is now going to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Sarah, um, and I help with the Pitch House podcast, as well as uh, Mark Tamajo of Pitch House Central, and I run a blog called Movies on Weekends, and we make films too. So tell us a bit about that, that side of things. Um, so uh, for about five years now, I've been running small blogs. Um, it first started off as uh, the very punny titled Cookie End Screen. Um, Which happens to be your Twitter account name. Yes, because my last name's Cook. So yeah. it's a pun of cookie and scree- cream. Cookies and cream? I can't remember what it was a pun of. It's been so long ago. <laughs> cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. Also cookies a great 112 song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically we started off just doing film reviews and film press um, and film blogging. It used to be my university project. Um, and then it sort of evolved. And then one day I was like, I want to make films too. So now we start doing short films. Mm-hmm. We do promotional videos for some companies and some fun sketches and skits. And we also do podcasts. Um, and we also like live in a world of film, which is why I'm happy to stay. 
Karina? Um, uh, yeah, so I work for Pitch House Cinemas as comms manager, um, as well as doing the podcast um, with uh, Sam and Sarah here. Um, but I also run and I'm the founder of the Bechtel Test Fest, which is a ongoing series screening films that pass the Bechtel test. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's a very simple three-step measure to say if a film has two named women who have a conversation with each other about something other than a man. Very easy test um, to, to pass, but very many films actually fail. And uh, it's all about finding the positive representations of women on screen. I mean... If a film passes the Bechdel test, it's not necessarily a marker of quality, is it? Because some... absolutely not. Yeah. No, it's a bit of fun, and by no means is it a seal of approval or a mark of respect as such. But it's a it's a talking point, and it's a lot of fun to have with. Mm. And I think the fact that it is also a little problematic does make it a great topic of conversation about how we look at film and the representations of the people on screen and how important that is. Yeah, because I think it's one of those things that shouldn't just even be a thing. It should just be like. It no, should, yeah. it, it shouldn't. I mean, it's it's actually a very old test. It's now 34 and a half years old. Um, it was inspired by Alison Bechtel, who was doing a comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For. And she did a strip where there was these two women walking down the street having a date. And one says to the other, let's go to the cinema. And the other one says, thing is, I only go to the f- movies if the film we're going to watch ha- passes this rule. And, and the rule is the Bechtel test. Um, so it originates from the comic strip called The Rule. And then somebody must have seen this and thought, you know what, that's actually an interesting metric. I wonder how many films actually pass this test. Mm. And uh, thus the Bechtel test was born. Fantastic. Um, does American Psycho pass the Bechtel test? No. Okay. I don't think it did. <laughs> no. But it's interesting, actually, because um, to pay mind to the Bechtel Test Fest as such, I actually screened American Psycho as part of my festival because we're always looking at representations of masculinity in the movies because ultimately the Bechtel Test is about representation of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unfair, not, yeah, it's unfair to a certain extent to totally overlook a woman's perspective of what masculinity is like and this is a female directed film and it's a very interesting reimagining of a very masculine text so you chose american psycho tell us why you chose it and uh, a two minute synopsis so i love this film it's hilarious it's dark it's wry it's um a real expose and exploration of toxic masculinity and I think it's a really interesting one to revisit now, especially as we're looking at uh, toxic masculinity even more. It's much more of a, it's much more in the psyche and the language of what we're talking about now, especially with Trump's America. Um, there are lots of references to Donald Trump mm. and how that has infiltrated what men aspire to, both in the book, more in the book, but a few times in the film. Um, and I think... It's a really interesting period piece because it's set in the 80s and we're looking at how things like the GQ lifestyle and the importance of a man making so much money and where women fitted under their uh, concerns. Um, And yeah, I just think, and and again, because it's a female-directed film and we're looking very much at masculinity through a woman's eyes, it's just so fascinating to me. And after reading the book... And just looking at how a film can make, and this is one of the rare instances that a film is actually much better than the book. Right. Much, much better than the book. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, sorry. But the synopses, yes. Um, so we have the very dashing Patrick Bateman and we are uh, immediately involved into his world, which is just full of wealth and unnecessarily le- uh, flamboyant lifestyle. Um, everything's way too expensive unnecessarily. Um, they're suited, they're booted and they're complete assholes basically (laughs) they're they're investment bankers and they're in in new york and they are um well i say they patrick bakeman is is certainly our character and we are we we look into his demonic mind and how he's constantly striving for this unobtainable perfection through this unobtainable well through this wealth that he's been gifted Mm. from just being a very privileged american man um but essentially what we're doing here is looking at how psychotic he is. He's a psychotic person. So as well as an, an, an investment banker by day, he's also a really cruel and horrible killer by night. And he goes around making very horrific murders of homeless people. He feeds cats through um, ATM machines. He's an awful, awful fiance. He kills women and prostitutes and just does horrible, horrible things to people. How many times have you guys have we seen this round the table? You said at the top of the show, Helen, it came out in 2000. It did. Uh, how many times have you seen this? Mm, I think I've got it on DVD, so probably uh, three or four times, I think. Sarah? A lot. <laughs> I once really? uh, spent my birthday at the PCC watching this as Double Bill with Fight Club. Um, and that was, that was a cracking look. Um, at Toxic Masculinity like, for my did, birthday. It was did great. you program that yourself? Was that? <laughs> that was legitimately the dream. Like, yeah. What films can I put on the dream? Um, so I adore this film. Yeah, I think I've seen it yeah, three or four times now. It's been a while since the last re- rewatch, so definitely cheers for mm. selecting it and bringing it to our, to our attention again. Mm. Um, how do you think it fares now, 2000 to, to now? Brilliantly. I think it's even more stark and relatable now. And I think it's a real... Uh, like I said, it's a it's a period piece that really charts how we the 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 awfulness of that time and how this ingrained societal norms for men, uh, white white men in America, have paid off in such awful awful ways in a time right now in 2018 and how we're kind of suffering from that still. Um, I think it really stands up marvelously. One of the things that shocked me the most. On this rewatch is in certainly in the post Me Too mm. thing um, era when he was talking to his secretary played by Chloe Sevigny and saying don't wear those clothes again you know wear high heels to make it look better those kind of things would have been would have just happened all the time and that, that's the kind of thing that's kind of thought would have been expected mm. you're sorry would have been expected it would have been yeah almost expected and people wouldn't have t- thought twice about it but now that's like don't do that. That's fucking dark, dude. Don't don't tell people what to wear because yeah. you want to make them look better for your own appeasement. Yeah, and I think this is it. Is we're looking back at a time when you could just get away with this and we are thankfully, slowly but surely, hopefully, getting to a point where that is just not acceptable. It's just not acceptable and we're finding a voice to be able to say, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to wear what the fuck I like. Um, but yeah, we do need these reminders of this time of to... to chart our progress and to remind ourselves never to go back there ever again i adore this film um for its nuances and like i said on a previous podcast i love a good spiral um spiral out of control and what Mm. i love about this is how easy privileged white men can spiral 
Um, and I also love the fact that she had a joke, all white men look the same. That is yeah. really yeah, important is in the film. because no one knows who each other are. And it's great mm. because it's that kind of yes. blankness of rich <laughs> business privilege. That's um, a key plot point in this. Mm. In yeah. This. Yeah. Uh, because I thought I was just going mad when I first started watching. It was like, wait, I thought his name was this. And then they <laughs> called him something else. But that's the point. That it's all just one bland. Same canvas. suit, same yeah. haircuts. Same yeah. cards, same business, cards. Same business cards, even though they're absolutely scrutinizing every single little nuance of it. It's my favorite scene. <laughs> it's the fact that he can literally go, like, nearly have a mental breakdown at this guy's eggshell colored yeah. <laughs> off white embossed. Off white embossed. Yeah, that one thread of sweat says so much <laughs> about how much he's losing his shit. The gritted teeth. Yeah. And Sorry, it's... Show me his card. <laughs> no, you've got, you've, it's just that really good thing of um, how how a privileged person can snap mm. the littlest things mm. that we wouldn't even necessarily care about. I mean, I have a business card. I'm not necessarily battling Karina for a better business card <laughs> because it's it's superfluous. It doesn't matter. But because people live on these high ivory towers. Yeah. Ivory they, is probably a colour as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they lose they it when they, when perfection is like a hairline out of, yeah. out of it and I think American Psycho does that really well and also um, when I watched it again I forgot how funny it was mm. it's really funny um, the whole well one of the death sequences has just the greatest lead up to it the Huey Lewis one the Huey oh, yeah. Lewis one oh. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and hip to, hip to be square <laughs> so um, it's uh, Patrick Bateman I can never remember the name of the guy Jared Leto uh, Jared Leto's guy mm. um yeah. What, what is his name? Because it's what, really Tony great. Allen. Oh yeah, Tony Paul Allen. Allen. Paul Allen. Yeah. Paul Allen. Hey Paul. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically, he's uh, around. Um, is it Paul's house? It's around. No, it's around. It's around Patrick's, Patrick's house. Yeah. yeah. He gets him um, really drunk. He gets him really drunk, and then listening to Huey Lewis in the news, which therefore means he has to break down why Huey Lewis and the News are like the best band of the 80s. He would be a great music journalist. Yes. Period. He would be so good. The commentary on 80s music is so good. Phil, Phil Collins. Oh, the Phil <laughs> Collins one looks. I mean. Whitney Houston. Oh, it is so good. Hot takes throughout. <laughs> but whilst, whilst he is, yeah, like whilst he's doing his hot takes, his, he'd make a great Twitter feed, wouldn't he? Um, I think there is a Twitter feed of him, actually. Oh, yeah, I think there is. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Yes. He is putting on a very dashing raincoat and he's grabbing an axe and he is putting down um, sheets. Copies uh, of the Style magazine. Oh, copies of the Style magazine. little detail there. <laughs> and he is preparing to murder Paul, all set to Huey Lewis in the News, mm. which makes Back to the Future darker. <laughs> <laughs> just do. It's just, it's just such a great thing because he's almost like moonwalking and skipping around the room, skipping yeah. around his apartment. Yeah. With his... Raincoat. With his yeah. raincoat on. Because he doesn't want to get away. blood on him. On him. Um, he doesn't... I mean, there's no way that that massacre of this one person would have not caused an absolute mess. And those few pieces of uh, Star Magazine on the paper, on the, on the, on the carpet, were never going to... Protect it. Protect it no. at all. Never going to protect it. But, that, I mean, we, I, we can come to whether it really happened or not is <laughs> later on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly funny but brutal scene. And it's hip to be square. Mm. It if is. that comes on with me, my friends on a night out, we will dance like Patrick Bateman. Do the twist. The yeah. Kind of... Do the twist and the hip. Yeah. The bring out a fake axe. Do you, yeah, do you could do the imaginary axe dance. The imaginary axe Did you bring dance. that in? Just shouting, hey, Paul, on the dance floor. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Try and get a reservation at... Dorsia. Dorsia yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of the bits of privilege because the, the restaurant he ends up going to with his 
the lady's having an affair with, looks stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning anyway, but because he wasn't the dossier, it was like the worst thing in the world to him. And Yeah, these things matter to him, and yeah. that's kind of the point. All these fine details that we, as people that don't live in that world, are not that privileged to be able to enjoy or to care about. So, you know, in our world, we'd be like, okay, well, great. I had a Nando's. It was brilliant. But whereas these people, they're just like, unless you have to fight tooth and nail to get that reservation, then, and it's about being seen. So it's yeah. about being seen in those places that you have to get the reservation for. And they're not even eating much. They're having these like little morsels of food. We've got very exotic names. The sea urchin ceviche. That's it. The <laughs> sea urchin ceviche, which I must say sounds nice, but you know, I'm never going to eat a It's seafood. non-existent. Yeah. It's like a shampoo. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I think this is what's so wonderful about the opening sequence and this, the scene setting from the get-go. You've got these, this food that you, it's not going to fill you up. No. It's very empty. And that's exactly what their whole world is about. It's very empty. All the scenes are quite vacant. Like it, Patrick Bateman's house is just white with some slats and there's lots of shadows, but the, he doesn't own anything. He's got a bit of art. He's got uh, a rowing machine. He, he's got a DVD player where he watches porn whilst doing his rowing boat thing. But um, he's a very vacant character and everything about the scene setting and the design demonstrates that i think this was an 18 when it first came out do you think it'll be yeah. re-rated now because it's actually not that we don't actually see the acts going in with so, no. so a lot of 18s nowadays you see some properly brutal stuff and I, you don't I actually really was, see that it was even higher than an 18 to a rating that i didn't even know existed and oh, really? they had to yeah and then they had to cut off a scene and i don't know what that scene was there's a couple of scenes looking around on youtube actually deleted scenes but you, when you watch them on youtube you're like yeah that that that, that gave it <laughs> that added nothing i'm glad yeah. that wasn't in there but um it's a very tight movie. It's very good. But um, yeah, this is uh, just, I think it's an hour and 40. This NC 17. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but you guys. That's in the know. States. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a state yeah. rating and it, it had to be cut in order to get an 18. Um, to get, what, to be, to get, to be to rated an R. R in, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you do see blood. The chainsaw scene. So I think it still would be an 18. I there's think, quite a yeah, vibe, sex word, the C word as well, which I always think is an automatic high rating. Yeah, yeah, and there's quite a quite yeah. There's very there's a lot of graphic sex in it still. So yeah, I would I would say it's still an eighteen. Okay, and deserves it. So I think I think for the I, I think the violence is still. I've seen equal things. I think in a fifteen because you don't actually see, like I say you don't see the axe going into the head. But you see the splash no. of blood. You, the chainsaw falls down. You don't actually see it viscerating anything. You just no. see the kind of aftermath. And I think that's what's interesting about Mary Heron's adaptation of this story in that the book is so much more visceral and so right. much more violent and so monot there's a monotony in how much this violence is being spewed out, literally. But with Mary's um, American Psycho, she's taken it off screen because any I think any director who's doing thrillers or horrors knows that your imagination is so much worse yeah. than anything you can put on screen. So if you just plant the seed of of something horrific they will think of it and yeah i think for that for that sense it worked because i found myself even watching it again this time shutting my eyes and then opening them again and be like oh nothing actually happened it was all just in my head what was happening and i think that's a real sense of a good director trusting the audience absolutely should we talk about some of the people who featured in this in 2000 some of the people uh, can, can we Talk about Christian Bale. I mean, I, I love Christian well, I wanted, Bale. Well, I want to get to Christian it Bale, but I, think there's, Christian Bale. but I think there's a lot of other people in in there. 
we'll definitely talk about Chris and Bell because obviously it's a big start start on roll for him. But there's a lot of people in here who went on to do other uh, decent films and other projects. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, for example, mm-hmm. she's excellent. Um, literally had no idea who she was the first time I saw this. Mm. Um, Justin Theroux was one of the one of the back. Jared Leto. Yep. Um, so it has Chloe Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny, who's always great. Uh, and one of the people who I couldn't place him, but the guy who he then strangles in the in the toilet, Paul Ross, a uh, oh, guy called Paul yes, Ross, yes, who went on to he, he plays Gavin Belson in uh, Sil- uh, Silicon Valley, but also directed Captain Fantastic last year. Oh, <laughs> I'm like Paul Ross. Like, why should I know that name? I've never. But yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Matt Ross. Matt Ross. Yeah, yes, Matt Ross. Matt Ross. That's that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's a little cameo, but he's really he really adds to the um, expose of the uh, what's the word? Um, oh my god, what is the word? Uh, homophobia. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there's a real element of homophobia in there as well, which kind of is at one with this idea of what masculinity is in the '80s, and I think that is his key to purport that narrative William Defoe. William yep. Defoe he's great in it William Defoe he's great so it is a cast I think we kind of uh, yeah I mean it's, it was really it? really well cast I mean I think at the time everyone was covering up yeah um, yeah so I it think, wasn't I, well I mean that much of a it's interesting the cast because it was come out kids at that yeah, point yeah and Reese Witherspoon true. had done um, the what's it the film she did with Legally Blonde. Had she done Legally Blonde yet? She'd done Cruel Intentions. Cruel Intentions. Intentions. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. yeah, she'd yeah, done yeah. that. So they were all sort of on, on the radar. Mm. They were all up and coming. But Jared, Jared Leto would have done been Fight my, Club. Circle, my Circle Life. That's so this is post-Fight Club as well. Post-Fight Club. Yeah. But um, in order for... So Mary Heron um, had to... She had her vision and she really wanted this cast and she knew that she wanted um, Bateman to be played by... Um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Um, but it was originally, in, it, they were enforcing that it was going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. And because she said, no, I don't think that he's the right person for this part, she actually stepped off the whole project. Okay. Yeah, um, it went and through a lot of problems yeah, and changes of problems. because of that. Yeah, so and they, got just... that, they got David Cronenberg was going to direct it. Um, Can you imagine David Cronenberg's American Psycho? <sighs> I, yeah. I think that's just Videodrome now. Like... <laughs> kind of the same, same but you, you you watch this now i mean probably at the time everyone was like yeah well you know leo could have been in it but watching it now no because he would he wouldn't have put the effort in because when he did the beach for example one big story about the beach was that he was overweight and he couldn't get the weight down to look like someone who's like traveling mm. so to be in the kind of physical shape I and mean, let's, let's talk fully about christian bale now but his he fucking steps in 100% into his roles, doesn't he? Maybe not as much oh, as... Yeah, to, uh, a, to a psychotic degree. Yeah. He's just like, I'm going to be this person, which is I quite worrying. <laughs> just trying to think of whether he did anything dramery or thrillery, because he was a kid star in the 90s and mm. the late mm. 80s. Like, he was in Empire of the Sun. Pocahontas. Yep. Was it Pocahontas? He's, he's yep. the voice of the guy, the... I can't remember his name, Tom or something, who actually shoots Kukuam. Okay. Um, and is John Smith's best friend and says stuff really badly. Like, they don't want to fight... Um, and he's in Newsies, like he's in um, this Disney musical about newspaper boys. Okay. So he was like a childhood star, and I can't think of the film that transitions him from this to this, yeah. from that to this. Well, yeah, and, and this is this is it. I mean, Mary Heron knew that she wanted him and that he had that blankness that was needed for this role to play this very vacant, violent, uh, horrible person. 
Um, and it's interesting because I, th- I think if you're looking at Leonardo DiCaprio, he I can see why they would have wanted him. If you look at from Wall Street towards the end, he's actually playing somebody who is as psychotic as Bateman. Um, but yeah, I think this is perfect the way it is. Um, and uh, like I said, it, um, Kristen Bell, Kristen, for me, Kristen Bell invented the meme. Like that whole, do you remember when it came out and he, he had a hissy fit on somebody with somebody on set mm. on terminator yeah was that was that on terminator mm. was that yeah, on, was yeah. On terminator salvation was it mm. yeah so that's a, that's like alluding to how in depth that he gets into his characters this is like before and then he went to machinists which is yeah he made a few mm, more interesting that's... ones be- slightly before then so he also did equal equilibrium <gasps> That's and Rain of film. Rain of Fire as well, and he was in Captain Corelli's Mandolin and the remake of Shaft. So he had kind of a very strange period before The Machinist, and then that kind of really kicked it off with obviously Batman, um, the Fighter, and the Prestige, etc. Yeah, Prestige is a, a that's a good film. Yeah, that's what I've only seen that once. I need to see that again multiple times. Same with Equilibrium. I think no one brings up Equilibrium. I love Equilibrium. Yeah, just he made some very, very, very interesting movies in quite a short space of time. Um, but not so much now. He's kind of gone a little bit. I guess the fight was 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 the last big one, was it? The Big Short. Yeah, the Big Short. Nominated for an Academy Award. I loved that. That was good. I hated the big show. Really? Yeah, I've never been really? so bored in a film. Oh, I found I, I left so angry. If, oh, if a film gives oh, me yeah, an emotion, I, yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, this has worked in yeah, some way. Yeah, because he played the kind of. He was the one who saw it. He was the one who saw it and played the drums, but it's kind of like nonchalantly in, super intelligent, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Okay. The, the only character I really loved in Big Short was Steve Carell's character, mm. um, and I kind I think what made me mad and don't get me wrong, I I love dark characters and bad characters, but there was just not a redeemable quality in any of them apart from Steve Carell, and these were real people who screwed over a lot of people. Yeah. So I found myself going, oh, I don't care, and that really like set me off. Um, I don't think has he been in anything of it since the big short um, he's got a few but I don't think he really kind of hits the strides that he had sort of in this kind of era I forgot about Hostiles that's the one he did last this year with Rosamund Pike oh, right. that's phenomenal yeah, you get okay. it's very small indie western release and he's he's brilliant in it I think even this is this is his film isn't it if he hadn't done American Psycho Oh yeah, it wouldn't. It, he owns it. Yeah, he's perfect. And I don't think even I mean Batman Begins is a great film. There's lots. Of, he's done lots of great films, but this is the for me is the even though I haven't seen Hostiles or Equilibrium. I can't see it being much better better than this. Yeah, no, he's perfect, and he got the satire, which yeah. was really important to Mary. Um, and I mean, look at his face; it's symmetrical. Everything <laughs> is quite spookily perfect. Yeah, he does really get that, uh, the kind of satire which most people missed when it came out. Exactly. They just got so wrapped up in the violence mm. and the book and everything that it, it you know, it didn't really do very well. Not yeah. many people it saw it. It did no. not, no. It got a lot of... Um, so it was one. It, it was at Sundance and it was very anticipated and then it came out and everybody was like, what the hell was that? Um, this is a really violent film. It had a lot of... Um, feminist activist against it because on paper as well it's essentially this man going through life killing women mm. and uh, prostitutes and uh, p- poor people um but 
once you watch it, once you understand the context of it, you're looking through a very satirical look at men and how bad they are. So it's actually a very feminist people, film. People took it too seriously. Yeah. And it was like not intended mm. like that in any way. And if you're taking it too seriously, then you kind of need to think about yourself a little bit. And obviously, if you're not getting the jokes, then maybe you're part of it. Well, I, I think this is going to tie into my recommendability score because I think there's plenty of people who will just take it at face value. And yeah. There's blood coming out. He's stabbing people who are homeless. He's stabbing. He's throwing chainsaws at women. This um, is a bad guy. Why? Why is this film even being made? Uh, I think it gets brought up a lot because um, people talk about Fight Club, and this is. I kind of want to stop people doing this. So I'm going to do a big shout out of if a guy's favorite film is Fight Club or American Psycho, you should run away from him. It's like, but these are my favorite films <laughs> because they are satirical look at toxic masculinity. Like if they like want that as an imprint for their lives, then sure, run away. Like yeah. if any guy's like, I want to be, I love American Psycho, that's who I want to be and go. <laughs> but they're like, it's my favorite Swipe film <laughs> because, you know, it breaks down toxic masculinity in a satirical way. It's funny and dark and humorous and Christian Bell's amazing. Then, you know, you can keep them around because they're really, like, they know what, they know their films. Yeah, if they say this is my favorite film, you just got to go, Why? Why? <laughs> Hold up. Why? <laughs> then we can do, then we can do this. I think it's about time to head into the scores. Let's head to the scores. So these are uh, not painted yet. Maybe they will be one day. Maybe they won't. But please don't steal them. And they are all out of five. If you wish to go to a decimal place, you can. You can have a zero, but no minuses. And we'll start with you, Karina, because it's your film with the recommendability score. Five. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely five. It's great. It's funny. It's satirical. It's an interesting way of how you can reimagine something that has been so misunderstood. Um, it's a female director. And obviously that's always uh, something that I'm trying to champion here, that you sh we should be looking at films through a female lens and how multifaceted those lenses are. And here is a film about men from a woman. And um, I just think it's got so many interesting ways to enter it and enjoy it and observe it and unpick it and ultimately it's also just a fun film if you like that kind of thing sarah five absolutely uh this is one of my favorite films of all time um i would probably want to watch it again with you were never really here because i think that's Ooh. another different female view on masculinity ramsey yeah, and like and a yeah. killer, but on yeah. like the different end of the American psycho spectrum, like a gritty, unpolished anti-hero versus the polished, I think. You, you, are, you are given a bit more empathy in that film, whereas yeah. American has, Psycho, you a, have no ends. An abject, he's, he's got a definite reason as to why he's, he's going down this war yeah. path. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so, I think they'd make so for, next, for next birthday, Fight Club, American <laughs> Psycho, you were never really here. I am just going to watch films about men spiraling out of control <laughs> as told by women um i think yes. that's that's my aim i think that's a good let's talk let's let's do it it's a pitch house yeah strand right. <laughs> men on the edge men on the verge of a we've breakdown we've just made it there we go men on the edge <laughs> okay <laughs> helen i'm i'm gonna go high but not quite that high i'm gonna go 4.5 i'm a big fan of this film um and I'd kind of forgotten how good it is and how funny it is as well. And it is it is quite a good double bill with Fight Club, especially if you like Jared Leto, but two interesting films. Um, I mean, it is... 
yeah, it's just really good. And it's aged, <laughs> it's aged really, really well. Um, and it's, it's got some great performances in. And yeah, it's great. I'm going to go 4.3, I reckon. I like... I was so surprised. I like. I, I thought. I, was, I thought it was. I don't know how to say it. I, I was. I was really surprised. I was more put off by the kind of comments he made to the women behind their backs and even to, to the faces than I was about the violence. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the fact that and that's, this is why you know films like this need to be made. And also, you know, people talk about films showing people being subjugated and stuff, but it needs to be made because we need to show that how that's how things were and they're not acceptable. Um, but also, kind you, of not that much has actually changed, really. Well, you'd hope that's that's perhaps part of the thing, isn't it? Mm. Um, so yeah, four point three. Um, just because people I know will. I mean, it's not blood. for everyone, is yeah. it? No, it's not the kind go, of thing. It's not watch with granny or anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, pick your pick your uh, sofa buddies wisely on this one. I do. I do really like his the way he just goes from smiling, shit eating grin to like absolute bastard in yeah, yeah. Toss, he's, he's toss got of a coin. absolutely he's he's literally got a split personality i mm. think the first killing that he does he's got the blood on one side of his face and he does a slide look to the left or the right and his other side of his face is it's completely like two faces, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's completely clean and dry and chiseled and you're like yeah i get i get this two this sides, is the two sides yeah. and nope. those pictures that you had on the screen mm. he looks different in every single yeah. one of them yeah because he just is such a chameleon and they're able to shape his face into mm. like sinister or fun or cool or <laughs> it's just, yeah. His faces during the during the business card scene were fantastic. And when Mark, when Matt Ross gave said, "Hey guys, I've got my new business card." Yeah. And he looked at his like golden boss letters, and his face was like. Well, it's his, his emotion at certain things like that, and then at other times it's so completely blank. Mm. Mm. He's he's dead behind the eyes, and in fact, actually, that reminds like a shark. me. He. Um, Christian Bell actually said that he modelled his character by being inspired by Tom Cruise. Oh, really? <laughs> because he was watching Tom Cruise on a on a sofa chat show, whatnot, and he was just marvelling at how this very handsome, perfect man was saying one thing, but he was just so dead behind yeah. the eyes and this just big giving nothing away smile, and just he's just like, oh my god, this is the epitome of the Hollywood superstar who's actually completely empty inside <laughs> do you guys get that when you're interviewing people do you kind of feel that sometimes they uh, they don't want to be here at all <laughs> not with my interviewees <laughs> thank you very much hey, i talk mostly to directors yeah. um and i love talking to directors because obviously they're the ones who they're energized yeah. a bit yeah um, i've actually interviewed tom cruise on the red carpet Amazing. so um yeah, was he I, dead behind the eyes I, well it was all very quick and rushed what, what but, film was that for uh jack reach never go back um, I had to say it really quietly. <laughs> yeah, just didn't joke. That's fine. Shh. It's not. This podcast isn't going around the whole world. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, it was very regimented. So red carpets are, and it was really like, ask this question, move on, and move on. So I guess that that's probably where. Yeah. And he had to smile. He just smiles for everything. Yeah. So yeah, because his teeth are made like that. Yeah. <laughs> he can't do anything but smile. I can't do. He can't, he's like at a yeah. funeral and he's just there with the shades on and the big grin. Like. Yeah, he gets all his uh, nutrition intravenously. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stain those teeth. Repeat viewing score, Karina. Um, I think you need to give yourself space after you've watched it just to kind of relax because <laughs> it's a stressful watch. So how many times have you seen this and when was the last time you watched it before? Because I'm not a massive repeat watcher, mm-hmm. um, but I have screened this 
film before I screened it at the BFR a couple of years ago and obviously I needed to watch it then. <laughs> yeah, just name drop that one. So um, <laughs> so I watched it a lot then. So I watched it maybe two or three times then and I listened to the audio book. Oh my God, have you listened to Brett Easton Ellis's book? Mm. That being spat at you whilst you're on the train. Who, is, do you know who narrates it? I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember, but um, I got it on audio. Like have, you, have you read the book? No, I haven't. Have you read? I, I listened to it. Yeah. It was, it was tough. I haven't read the book. Oh, yeah. Only because... I've read it a few times, yeah. Oh, wow. A few times. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really... Not for a while, though. Mm. I kind of want to go back and read it again now. I really wanted to read the book, and then the author has come out with some really horrible stuff. Oh, he's a horrible person. He's a really horrible person. Yeah. Mm. So it makes me want to support the film more than the book. Yeah. So like, it makes me not want to pick up his book and go Okay. And... But it's one of my friend's favourite books, and she she loves um, kind of American Psycho and all things American Psycho. So It's, um, it's a terrible book. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, actually, no. I'm interested to hear why you like it, and for why you're. I'm, you I don't know. It. I think I just I'd never read anything like it before, mm. um, and I've read quite a lot of his other books, but mm. haven't read them recently. But they're just full of these just really horrible human beings, mm. and you just kind of get engrossed in like the superficiality of their lives, and mm. and I think with American Psycho because the violence is just so extreme and so insanely out of this world mm. it's just like you, you, you're almost like why am I even reading this mm. it's, it's a really like bizarre experience and so yeah, you keep going because you yeah. you're, you're so interested into this character because he's just so he's just so weird and dangerous yeah. and so calculated I, 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 I think I was just lacking for me it was lacking any kind of poetry it was just a series of descriptions well his his writing style is a bit like that one of the books that he's I can't remember which one it is um it literally starts in the middle of a sentence. Right. Well, <laughs> this is that's it. the a, kind of style. To it. It's just like, I don't even need to try. You're just going to read this awful thing that I'm going to do to this person. Um, repeat viewing school. Repeat viewing school. Okay. So yeah. Sorry. I digress. Um, so I'll give it a three and a half because it definitely needs to be watched, but maybe once every five years. Okay. I think that's a good time stamp for mm. just in to between. Give yourself time to breathe and appreciate how well that is as a set piece for the 80s yeah. Sarah <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how much of a psychopath this is going to make me going to make me sound but um, I'm just going to give a context that some of my favourite films are well I like to call them white men um, with mental health issues are basically my top five favourite films <laughs> stuff like Filth The Voices <laughs> Silence of the Lambs that's why you like The Voices <laughs> was wondering <laughs> yeah i yeah. i that's yeah. the ryan reynolds no, that's, one. Ryan that's reynolds. true yeah. that's true i am very big on watching men particularly white men have a mental breakdown um so uh this would be a five <laughs> um for me because uh, i mean i studied it a lot growing up and uh oh i spent one of my birthdays watching it so i can't really give it anything less <laughs> that was like yes for me celebrate my 25th helen <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, Karina on this one. I've seen it a few times um, and I'll probably watch it again. I think there's just a, a lot to enjoy. And I think if you've seen it more than once, then you kind of know a little bit what's coming and you kind of appreciate things like the sea urchin ceviche, which <laughs> obviously had not picked on You picked before. it the first time, this time round. And, yeah. and the Donald and things, Trump references. Yeah, yeah. and things and like that. Watching, uh, I mean, imagine 
watching that in 2000 and then watching it now in the state that we're in in America and mm. being like, Patrick okay. Bateman runs the office. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, oh. <laughs> it's horribly, horribly real. Uh, I'm going to go for 3.5 as well. I think it's, you definitely need to watch it again. Um, but I concur with Karina and Helen. You, you need give, a gap. Give some space. Give some space. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the next time we watch it, maybe Trump won't be president. So next month, yeah. maybe, hopefully. Oh, don't. <laughs> don't give you hope. Don't give me hope. <laughs> Your scores make me look more like a psychopath. Anything? A uh, small screen score. Has, um, has anyone here seen it in the cinema? Did anyone see it in the cinema? Karina. I put it on at the cinema. Of course. So, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I was obviously thinking initial release, but yeah. yes, of course, you guys <laughs> posthumously. I didn't watch it. That's not the word. Really. I don't but, even know about Posthumously. <laughs> no, that's not the word. But since it's After initial death. release, you put it on the cinema. Yes, I have. And it does benefit from a big screen outing okay. um, because the, as I was talking about, the character development through the design of this vacant space and the shadowing shadows of all the the windows and faces i think that really benefits from seeing that up on up and grainy and uh, gives it a real texture which the character when it's so bland the design actually gives it the depth you need to enjoy it cinematically and visually so and, the, and the sound the sound i mean huey lewis in the news is a great phil collins, <laughs> phil yeah. collins. yeah um, um but sorry am i doing the sound am i doing the score, score now uh, the score for small screen It can be enjoyed on the small screen. I don't know. I mean, I, I was uh, three. three. All right. Three. Sarah? Um, yeah, I've watched this in the cinema and I agree with everything Corinna just said. Um, it does work best on the big screen for all those reasons. However, I spent a lot of my teen years watching this on like late night TV channels. Um, film four type thing. Film four. Yeah. Um, do you like ITV two? Oh, <laughs> five with so the adverts. Really? Oh, no, no, don't put an um, advert in this. <laughs> it's. Uh, Why is it that um, a film four advert is fine, but ITV? Because I, I have this problem. I can do. I can deal with film four. That's fine. But ITV two or five. Maybe. Because of the different things that you're being sold. I don't know. I think <laughs> maybe at least film four seems to think about Not the Iceland ones, thanks. I think film four maybe think about where they put the adverts. Maybe. Yeah. Um, ITV will cut like halfway through a sentence and then go into like a TOWIE <laughs> advert and you're like, um, okay, whereas film four will like wait in for the pause yeah. and then um, go, quick, go get a cup of tea and then come back. Um, yeah. I still don't like Respectful. watching films on film Sli- four. Now we've got Netflix and streaming. Um, it's, it's tough, isn't it? But the only good thing that Film 4 still does, the small films, like, they may be, like, one o'clock in the morning, but um, they still show their foreign films and, and yeah, foreign films. And they do those they do those seasons. At the moment, they've got the Ghibli season on, haven't they? Mm. Which is, I've not seen any of them uh, in, in this season, but it's great that they do that. And Film 4 introduced me to so many films that I hadn't seen before in the yeah. cinema, so. Mm. I'm pretty sure they did a Men on the Edge one, because I'm pretty sure they showed the voices recently as it's, well. It's- yeah, it's too easy. This has to have already happened. And if it hasn't, we're going to make it happen. I can't wait to leave right now. I'm going to get men this on the air. Yeah, I, I, I kind of fear about the kind of clientele you might get to. <laughs> but you, Sarah, surrounded by a lot of <laughs> white do- men. Dodgy men. American Psycho is my favourite movie. I want to be him. <laughs> no! Might, might find a husband. <laughs> might, find a, might find a guy wearing a filth t shirt and I'll, it'll just be like romantic. Like Huey Lewis and the news will come on and. Uh, <laughs> Um, hip to be square, you know. 
Small screen score then. Small screen score. <laughs> I am going to give it a four because um, this is how I found the film yeah. um, and this is how I got grew to love the film. Helen? Uh, I'm going to get a 4.5. I've only ever seen it on TV-sized screens and um, I've always thought that it's worked quite well to that um, as long as you don't watch it on your phone. Don't ever do that. Um, and I don't know, I mean... I don't feel as though I've lost anything not watching it in the cinema. Yeah. But then I guess that's, go with what you know. And it's, I mean, that it's on Netflix as well, there to be discovered if you you haven't seen it and you're still listening and think, well, should I go and see this? Then you should because it's there. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a high small screen score. I've never seen it in, it. I've never seen it in cinema. And it's not as visually striking as, I mean, we talked about City of God, which lost a lot of points because that is too gorgeous to... Mm. Um, I've never seen that in the cinema but that's something if it came out I need mm. to see that like straight mm. away but if American Psycho was out I probably wouldn't feel compelled to watch it because I haven't seen it in the cinema yet so I think it does well on small screen mm. um, so 4.6 for me um, engagement score Karina it's, it's, it's so engaging mm. for me. It's so engaging because you've got so many different pulse points. You've got the comedy, you've got the thrill, you've got the horror, you've got the observation of culture. So it's intelligent. Um, and all of those things strung together are just engaging throughout. And the score is? And the score is. <laughs> How do you translate that into a number? I'm going to say 4.7. They, there I am with the decimals. Whoa. <laughs> I know, right? No, because I was like five, but then nothing's a five. Um, Some things are a five. I, no, yeah, I guess. I think you it was five a, recommendability. Yes. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Backtrack. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should just give it five then. It was just the very last 10 minutes of it that I think it just got too chaotic. Right. And I was started checking out just a little bit if I'm completely honest. That's fine. Then. That's fine. Don't. Well, that's, so, that's the ambiguous ending that, has a lot of people yeah, I think turning it, against it. Yeah, the inconclusiveness that left you thinking that it was all a dream. And, you know, that's the whole annoyance of watching a film when um, when Lost or something, which is the TV series, and everyone's annoyed about how it ended. But because it's just too easy and too lazy to say it. And they just woke up. Mm. <laughs> and it was all a dream. It's like, no, it wasn't a dream. That's like stuff We've happened. seen stuff. I yeah. think I like the ambiguity. Not that I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a conclusion. I don't. Mm. I think that maybe you can see it that either that part, first half was a dream, or the second half is a dream. The second half is him losing his mind. So you, you definitely think he's done some killing. Yeah, mm. I think. Okay. I, I mean, Mary so. herself says, "I don't understand where this ambiguity has come from because there was definitely things that happened, and there. I mean, there are discrepancies on certain things, like how much blood is actually released, how many times people say the wrong name, um, just." The absurdity of the, the, the woman in the uh, dry cleaners accepting what he's saying to her. Um, I think a lot of the stuff is in his head and we hear what's in his head, but that's still real. Yeah. To be vague. Mm. But I was just I always and perhaps just hoped that it was a figment of his imagination. Not a dream, but he's how he's playing these things out in his mind is and is fully cognizant of it. And when he kills Jared Leto. There was, I, meant to, I meant to rewind it because you go in, he goes into the bathroom and takes some, some pills out and then you don't actually ever see what they are. I, I didn't see what they were. No, but I, I kind of assumed they might be antipsychotics or something like that. Yeah, I um, don't so, think that's explained. Yeah, so I thought that might be kind of the 
he is actually a mentalist. Mm. Um, so I guess maybe because a lot of the, a lot of the deaths are very fanatical. Apart from Reggie Reggie Kennedy's death, the, the yeah. he plays a tramp at the start mm. is the most real of is them the all. Most real of them all. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping if the you know it wasn't Reg, got love Reg. Um, I hope his wasn't the only death if, if it was a real one. Mm. Um, but I do like. The, I mean, with what does gift us as viewers is with the ambiguity is the fact that we're sitting here wondering talking about it, yeah. talking yeah. About it and it gives it that rewatchability score or going I'm just going to go over that again and like what was that on the on the pill bottle yeah. or, you know so it's it's in, it's a topic of conversation and I think that's and also, also the fact that even if he didn't commit them the fact that he's imagining them and thinking of them anyway is as yeah. scary and kind it of achieves be in it in some form of institution. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he confesses as well. He does mm. that big confession at the end, and everyone's like, "What are you talking about? Chill out." It's like, but then that plays into exactly what we're talking about with the privilege. Like, as a very rich, privileged white man in America, he can confess these things, and people will still let him get. Yeah, away they're with just it. like, yeah, "What are you I mean, saying? You didn't do that. Don't make work for me." Yeah, I mean, look like, at Donald <laughs> Trump. Like, yeah. he's still he's found guilty of doing all these horrific things to women, and people are like, "Yeah." Yeah, well, he's, he couldn't have done that. No, that's he's, supposed he's to him, because yeah. uh, the woman, yeah. she's, a, <laughs> yeah, she's the woman. a woman. When she gets so. her period, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I I love the the kind of punchline that he's all like, well, Paul, you know, I killed Paul Allen. It's like, well, I just had lunch with Paul Allen. Yeah. And again, reinforcing the fact that no one knows, no one cares, just bullshitting each other. Oh, so that also people might not know who Paul Allen is. Paul Allen I'm not saying is. Okay. he might have thought, thought it was Paul Allen, but he might have looked like the other guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Shit. Okay, I need to. I need to think deep. Yeah, it does make you. Think anyway, deep. your engagement score, Sarah. Am um, I giving it a one? No, five. <laughs> <laughs> five, straight up five. Five, five. Just yeah. Helen. Um, uh, I guess it's hard. I mean, the first time round would have been a complete five, but as I kind of know a little bit, I did a little bit of um, digging <laughs> around on the internet, reading various things and where, whereabouts it fell in people's careers. So um, four point five, but it is. If you haven't seen it before, then there's no way that you can't be completely engaged in it. I'm going for a five here. I think I'm not sure I've ever given another, and uh, not sure I've given an engagement five before. I don't think you have. But mm. I want to. I want to change mine to five. Is that bad? You can. You can change to five. <laughs> I think just that, for things, that point is bothering me. <laughs> like the OCD starts. It was, it was just things like the pill bottle and things like being surprised at what took me aback this time round. Um, just had me like, oh shit, what is actually going? Because on the re- on this rewatch, I just went into it thinking, yeah, it's all a dream for him. It's all bloody bloody blah. It was, uh, I wouldn't say nuanced, but it was layered. Mm. I think um, overall score, guys, of four point three six eight seven five. That's really high. That is, yeah, that's a high score. Very strong showing. Yeah. Choice now. And it's, it's one hundred forty one minutes, so. Yeah, that, swift, that definitely tight, taut. leads into that, absolutely. Um, we'll go to the Twitter quickly, and we always ask people, before we um, do the record, we put a uh, tweet out. Uh, in this case, we're reviewing American Psycho with Cookies and Screen, Karina Karina, and uh, from Pitch House's podcast. Have you seen it? Give us a review. Um, we've got a fair, fair decent response here. Yeah, really good. So, the um, names, we'll the take, names are great. We'll take it round. We'll take it round the uh, houses, Uh Gifts, should I say? Sorry, gifts, gifts are great. Uh, Karina, do you want to say the first one? Uh, what am I doing here? So I'm reading yeah. that out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So nerds chatting. 
movies, TV, comics at Nerds Chatting. Um, it's the best adaptation of a novel I could have hoped for. The novel is a nasty, nasty read. This injects humour and pathos into the deeply unlikable character. And yet you still pull for him just because it, baby, is all in his mind. Doesn't mean it isn't actually happening. Deep. He's just probably... Um, He's basically or summarised our last ten minutes. Email, but no, just, <laughs> yeah, summarise that. Um, and yeah, four stars. Four stars, yeah. Good. Uh, Sarah. Uh, Laura BRD at... I'm not going to say that. <laughs> nope, don't worry about it. I <laughs> uh, said, I love it. And you were like, score. And she was like, 4.5. <laughs> Do you want to take the next one? Because that was such a short. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were they thinking? Um, which is, I can imagine how they wanted that to be announced. I uh, gave it four stars and said, a sick, twisted, depraved classic with all the right elements of dark humour, social, societal satire and violence. Yeah, four stars. Um, Helen. So this is from Scheitgeist. Shitegeist pod. Hi guys. Couldn't stomach the novel, but the film rides the knife edge between horror and comedy, and they've given it four knife emojis and a little Patrick Bateman gif there. Yeah, Thanks for that. A, that's actually a freaky, that's, very freaky gif. Good Twitter game. Yeah. Uh Karina, on the last one to finish. Um Death by Film at Death by Film Pod says one of Bale's best roles and a classic of a movie. And I agree. And it's five golden stars. Great. Well, guys, uh, quick sign off to tell people listening where we can find you online. Uh, you can find me on at Karina Karina. That's C-O-R-R-I-N-A, twice. Um, and also Bechtel Test Fest is on at Bechtel Test Fest. Uh, Google it if you're not sure how to spell it because I can't read it off right now. But Bechtel <laughs> Test Fest. Um, follow us and spread the word. And Sarah? Um, you can find me at Cookie and Screen or at Movies Weekends, uh, which is Movies on Weekends Twitter, or at Central Picture H, which is where I market under the at Picture Houses <laughs> umbrella. God, that was a cacophony of, of Twitter handles there. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Um, yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for coming on. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. You were just listening to the latest episode of Flicks Watcher Podcast. Thank you to Brendan Russell for his sublime editing skills. Mighty people for the tunes you can hear right now. Please do come to iTunes and find us, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Find us on Twitter at Flixwatcher Pod and our website, flixwatcher.tv. 